Man, if you aren't rocking with Sacramento and the Kings, that's your own problem. Who wouldn't want to be a part of this team's bandwagon? The Kings defeat the Phoenix Suns in Sacramento 135-127 to with a massive assist to the Golden 1 center crowd. The magic number for the Kings to clinch the playoffs is now down to two, and this city is more than ready. You're listening to Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings. Your daily Sacramento Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time, time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and soon to be all postseason. Very excited about that. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer for ABC 10 News. And over my lifetime here in Sacramento, watching, covering, following, rooting for the Sacramento Kings, I've experienced a lot of loud and energetic environments. You know, there is an energy that is specific to Sacramento, a volume level that only this city and this fan base can provide and boy did they provide it tonight I'm telling you the Sacramento Kings won this game the game completely changed because of the energy that this Golden One Center crowd brought in the third quarter. We're going to break that down. Uh, you're going to hear from uh, Harrison Barnes, Kevin Herter, and Mike Brown all talking about this Kings fan base. We're going to talk about the difference between the difficult first half for the Kings where they were really getting beat on all facets and how they turned things around in the second half. Unfortunately, De'Aaron Fox left this game and didn't return with an injury, but I have some good news courtesy of Kings head coach Mike Brown after the game. This is a celebration tonight. No, the Sacramento Kings haven't clinched both a playoff spot and the Pacific Division, but you might as well lock it up at this point. It's going to happen. It's only a matter of time, and the celebrations seem to begin tonight with how this Kings crowd popped off. Look, once again, they've been doing it all season long. Once again, when the Kings needed to respond, they did. They avoid a three-game losing streak again. They have not lost three straight since November. That is a stat that I will continue to shove down your throat because it shows the growth of this team and it shows their ability to sustain success and cut off struggles and cut off losing streaks at the bud before they get out of control. And the Kings, honestly... We're getting dominated in this first half. The same way they, they cut off losing streaks, they cut off the way that they were playing basketball at halftime. And I have to imagine Mike Brown probably had some, I don't know if he was loud or some choice words to motivate this team, but whatever he said, it worked. And the Sacramento Kings crowd partnered with those words, partnered with that halftime speech to deliver the Sacramento Kings just a ridiculous 45-point third quarter. But we'll get to that. The Kings were getting dominated in the first half of this game in almost every statistical category. They were getting destroyed in the paint. They weren't hitting shots. Neither were the Phoenix Suns, and it didn't matter. The Phoenix Suns were sharing the basketball and moving the basketball way better. They were shooting a, a ridiculous almost 60% from the field. I think they finished 58% from the first half and only like 10% from three-point range. That just goes to show you how much they were dominating inside. The Phoenix Suns bench was absolutely giving the Kings everything they could handle. Chris Paul was getting anywhere he wanted on the floor. Devin Booker opened, opened the game getting Keegan Murray in foul trouble and then getting two easy left-handed layups right here at the basket next to me like it was all Suns in the first half. And they came out, and I'm going to revisit this, they came out with a focus, a sharpness, an intensity. This was a game that the Phoenix Suns 
absolutely had to have if they wanted any chance of taking the third seed away from the Sacramento Kings. Now, some would argue, really, why would they? I know they now drop and they're, they're jockeying for position uh, with the Los Angeles Clippers uh, in that fourth spot. So maybe winning this game was more about holding on to that spot and keeping the Clippers back than it was catching up to the Sacramento Kings. But the Kings are in a position now where third is basically locked up unless they snatch two away from the Memphis Grizzlies, who officially clinched uh, a, a playoff berth tonight. And maybe Phoenix isn't feeling too bad about moving up or not moving up to number three because it looks like number three is going to be facing number six, the Golden State Warriors, in the opening round of the playoffs. The Warriors are on a roll. They beat the Philadelphia 76ers right now. They're getting hot at the right time, very similar to what they did last year, and they went on to win the championship. Now, I don't think the Warriors are going to do that this year. I do think the Sacramento Kings could beat the Golden State Warriors in the uh, the opening round of the playoffs, but if the Kings do secure the, six, uh, the three seed, the Warriors get the six seed, and it's, hey, congratulations, you get home court advantage. Welcome back to the playoffs. Here are the defending champions that are only an hour and a half down the road. I mean, there's great storylines to that that potential playoff series, but there's also uh, a lot of reasons for Kings fans to feel nervous. But that's a problem for another day. Let's talk about what the Sacramento Kings did in the third quarter. Let's talk about what you, the Kings fans, did in the third quarter. If you want to know how a crowd can affect a basketball game, how the energy that fans bring affects play on the floor, watch that third quarter. It is a, per, a picture perfect example. The Kings were down, I think, 11 points at halftime. Maybe it was 13. It was around that 13, 11 point range. And I'll be honest with you, I tweeted this out. Like, the Kings were down by 25 points to Utah, and that game felt closer than a 13-point hole or 13-point deficit to the Phoenix Suns tonight based off of how dominant they were in that first half. Like, they were in complete control of this game. And I didn't know if the Sacramento Kings were going to be able to defensively play uh, well enough. I thought offensively they'd start to hit their shots because they were ice cold from three-point range to start this game. But the question was, defensively, are they going to be able to string together enough stops to ultimately climb their way back into this game and win this game? They got within six points, and it kind of, it was... I, I I turned to um, one of my neighbors sitting next to me uh, up in the media section. I said, like, this is the weirdest run or weirdest start of a second half run that I've seen because the Kings cut the lead down to like six points-ish, but it wasn't consecutive baskets. It was just like chipping away. They'd hit a three and maybe the Suns would hit a two or the Suns would go to the free throw line and only hit one free throw or the Kings would score. Then there'd be multiple defensive stops, neither team scoring, then the Kings would score again, then multiple stops. Like it was a very disjointed run. But the Kings got to within six points, and suddenly, Devin Booker, after, I think he was fouled. I think he had a gripe. I think he was fouled in transition, a no-call, comes back on the other end of the floor, and shoves DeMontis Sabonis. He gets called for a technical foul, not for the shove. Uh, and, and, I, and I don't say shove like he was initiating a fight. He just clearly hacked at, at Sabonis, who was trying to attack the basket. And then he turns to the referee, clearly said something, gets teed up. Maybe a handful of minutes after that, Chris Paul is teed up. So those two technical fouls really started to rile up this Kings crowd really uh, a little bit, really started to wake them up and get involved. And the volume was already pretty good at that point. But then Chris Paul being the natural villain that he is, he really got this crowd going with back-to-back, -back, or it wasn't necessarily back-to-back, -back, but within like a one to two minute span, he had two possessions where Chris Paul used his acting abilities, used, used his world-class flopping ability. And I actually say that as a, a, as a compliment or a term of endearment. Like, 
we know flopping is not necessarily the best thing for the game. We know players get fined if they are caught flopping. Chris Paul has mastered the art of flopping. And he's such a villain. He's so good at it. Even though like he's wonderful in State Farm commercials and off the court, he has a great personality. And he's one of the greatest point guards of all time. And an amazing teammate to play with, right? Makes everybody around him better. And has done that his entire career. But he's, he's such a good villain at manipulating that contact and riling opposing fans up that you almost have to love him for it. Like, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't like Chris Paul. I love Chris Paul. I absolutely adore Chris Paul. But there were two moments. One, De'Aaron Fox was tired of the Kings getting beat by CP3, so De'Aaron Fox decides to pick him up at half court. He's physical, not letting Chris Paul get by him, and Chris has the ball poked away from him and flails. And... Uh, You'll see De'Aaron Fox, audio listeners, go to Twitter, at uh, Matt George Sack on Twitter. You can find the video I posted. De'Aaron Fox immediately turning to the referee after the referee bought on the uh, on um, CP3's flailing and called the foul on Fox. De'Aaron basically mimics what, what uh, Chris Paul did, flailing and basically calling, Fox, uh, calling Paul out for flopping using his body language to the officials. So that started getting things going a little bit. Then a couple possessions later... Chris Paul comes down the floor. Kevin Herter is on him. He goes right into the chest of Kevin Herter and just falls to the floor. And he gets uh, Kevin Herter to get called for a blocking foul. So there's these two possessions back-to-back where even though they win against the Sacramento Kings, I think it helped fuel this Kings fire. And then Kevin Herter caught fire. He finished tonight with 29 points in his return, by the way. has missed the last three games, and you can see how important he is to this Kings team. 29 points tonight, 10 of 18 from the field, 6 of 12 from three-point range, 9 rebounds, 5 assists. Let's talk about that really quick. We know uh, what Kevin Herter can do as a scorer. We know he can uh, catch fire and light it up from three-point range. Remember how hot he was in the fourth quarter against the Milwaukee Bucks uh, before the Kings left on that road trip. He nearly carried the Kings or or kept the Kings in the game in in a lot of ways by catching fire in that fourth quarter. Well, he definitely caught fire again in the third. We'll get into the offensive output, but... The nine rebounds, the five assists. Mike Brown has challenged multiple players on this roster to be more than just scores. Kevin Herter included. There have been a lot of games this season where I've been really impressed with Kevin's distribution ability. He's he's finished in like the four to six range in assists a good handful of times. He's not averaging that per night, but he can have games where he steps up and, and takes over some of that playmaking, especially on a night like tonight where you're not really getting that from your starting point guard in De'Aaron Fox, either because, well, tonight he left the game early with an injury, but also there are some nights where De'Aaron is simply trying to score and simply needs to score and is not setting up his teammates as much. So to see Kevin finish with five assists, tack on nine rebounds on top of that, and Mike Brown has been preaching all season long, guards rebound, help your bigs out, crash the boards as a team, gang rebound. Kevin Herter took that on himself, so not only did he lead the Kings in scoring tonight, he nearly finished with a double-double with nine rebounds, tack on five assists, also tack on a block, and that was my favorite sequence of this game, and you're going to hear I asked Kevin Herter about it uh, a little later on in the podcast here in just a second, but Kevin gets a block on one end, Gets the rebound after his block, and everybody knew as he was running up the floor, he's pulling up. He's taking this. He looked back over his shoulder to make sure he had no trailer that was going to block him from behind. Realized he didn't. Stepped up, pulled up. Everybody in the building knew it was dropping. When it did, this place absolutely exploded. And that wasn't the, I mean, it was my favorite highlight of the uh, of the night for sure. My favorite moment from this game. One of my favorite moments of the season, to be honest with you, with the pop that followed. But that wasn't like the apex or the climax of that third quarter. He continued, the rest, excuse me, of the, the Sacramento Kings continued. Kevin scored 16 points, went 5 of 9 from the field, 
Four of seven from three-point range. Had four of those nine rebounds, three of those five assists, and the block in the third quarter. Talk about an amazing quarter for your shooting guard, who's returning tonight from injury. The Kings rode that wave. Other guys stepped up. De'Aaron Fox had eight points in the third quarter. People don't realize Fox was doing really well offensively in that quarter as well with the, all the attention that Kevin Herter and the rest of the Kings were, uh, were commanding. And it's, I mean... Like I was getting emotional in the moment. I've calmed down a little bit. I hope I don't get emotional again. And, and when I say I get emotional, I don't necessarily cry necessarily, but I get choked up because when I hear the energy that was in this building and I'm looking around at these empty seats and just remembering and picturing how full this building was. Like I think they broke an attendance record of like 8,115 or something like that. I mean, or, sorry, 18,000, not eight. Um, it was incredible. Just the energy, the volume, it's what I grew up with. It's what I. It's the reason why I fell in love, not just with basketball, not just with the Kings. I fell in love with professional sports because of how the Kings community came together and had such a volume, right? The Arco Thunder, the Cowbells. It's so unique that I fell in love with it. And when I hear it and the fact that it's still been here, the volume has still been here at times, but the fact that it's, it's unanimous 18,000 people celebrating not just that big push in the third quarter, but celebrating the fact that this is a playoff team that once again was proving it and made and took one step closer to actually clinching the playoffs. And there are many in this building that believe that the Sacramento Kings are going to take advantage of home court advantage and actually win a playoff series after 16 years of not even making it. Like, it... I was just trying to enjoy it and soak it all in as much as possible. If you can go back and find the highlights, I posted some on social media. You can find them online. Do yourself a favor. Don't watch. Just close your eyes and listen. Just listen to the pop. Listen to the volume. In fact, I'm going to play that right now. You know, here is a soundbite, a clip of one of the many pops, crowd reactions in the third quarter. Audio listeners, obviously, you're, uh, you can just listen to this. Uh... And I, I even actually, I'm just making a black screen for you YouTube watchers too. Black screen, no context, no visuals, visuals, just listen to the volume of the Golden One Center. That energy... This Kings crowd not only riled the Sacramento Kings up and helped push them on that 24-3 run that they went on in the third quarter, it completely, completely threw the Phoenix Suns off their game. Remember when I said how sharp and how focused the Suns looked in the first half? Like, they were hitting big buckets. They were going on runs. Kings were calling timeouts, and they were walking to their bench with stern looks on their faces like this is business as usual this is what we do this is who we are we are in control we don't care how good the sacramento kings are we don't care about the damn beam we are in control of this game and we are not going to act like we don't belong in this spot that's how they looked in the first half second half that composure completely fell apart with technical fouls guys arguing they're not able to hit shots they're not able to take care of the basketball couldn't get a stop to save their life and the kings completely rolled them and went from 12 points down or something like that to 10 points up what a just tremendous 45-point uh, third quarter. Sacramento, you're ready for the playoffs. You've proven it time and time and time again. You've even proven it for teams that had no business being anywhere remotely close to the playoffs. You've proven it supporting teams that might have been lucky to get to 35 wins. You deserve the playoffs. The playoffs are almost here for you, and tonight was just another example of that. Here is Harrison Barnes 
followed by Kevin Herter, and then head coach Mike Brown, all talking about the energy that this Sacramento Kings crowd brings and the impact that that has on their game. Harrison, you've experienced this crowd for a while now, but during that run, the, the volume level in the Golden One Center and that atmosphere, can you speak on that and how much of an impact that had on energizing that run? It was huge. I mean, I think every single night, um, you know, we have some of the best fans in the league and they're waiting to get involved in the game. You know, I think we, we do ourselves a disservice, especially at home, by taking the air out of the arena, you know, with, with our plays. So I thought definitely in the second half, we gave them something to, to cheer for. And then in return, they gave us something uh, they were harder for so it was great. Kevin, first off, what felt better, the block or the transition three on the end of it? Transition three to kind of seal the deal, for sure. You, you already mentioned the crowd a little bit, but how, when you're going on a run like that and the energy level, the volume's getting to that level, how much of an impact does that have on continuing a run in, in basketball? It is. It's huge. You, know, the, you can use the crowd as a weapon, uh, especially when you're on a run like that. The building gets going. Other teams might tighten up. Um, so you, you try to keep that momentum going, and, and we did that third. It just felt like you know, it was a continuous run. I'm not sure what the breakdown was, but you know, we went from down 12 to, to up 10, and a lot of that felt like it all happened at once. So uh, they're huge in that span. Mike, you touched on this a little bit, but as you guys are gearing up for the playoffs, so is this crowd, the impact of the crowd on that, that third quarter run. How significant does that energy that they bring affect that kind of run that you put together? I mean, it's huge. You know, they, the, 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 I've had many opposing coaches tell me throughout the course of the year, not just obviously tonight, with tonight's crowd, but throughout the course of the year that it sounds like a playoff game in here, you know, and they're obviously regular season games. And, you know, it's, I mean, it's no different from back in the day. And Arc, well, the only thing is they, they got the one big cowbell at the beginning of the game that they – allow the high money people to come ring. Uh, but oh, that might kill me on that one, or Matina. But, uh, um, but the cowbells were, were back in the day right behind the bench. And other than that, the energy is off the charts in this building. And that's what makes this place special is the fans that come and support us uh, day in and day out. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. If you ever dreamed of becoming an NBA general manager and manage your own basketball franchise, your dream can come true, and this game is definitely for you. If you're an armchair GM like me who's looking for as close to an authentic experience as possible, want to see how you could, or how you would do if you were in Monty McNair's shoes or any of your favorite general managers out there, you manage every strategic aspect of your team, play through the season, and lead your team to glory. You're responsible for like hiring the right coaches and assistants assistance, trading and training players, making draft picks, navigating your franchise through free agency and the draft, and the ups and downs of the regular season. All of this in a challenging and realistic game world, Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is completely free and playable offline. You can play on the go and when you want to, whenever you want to, wherever you want to. Uh, you can make sure you can go to uh, Ultimate Basketball GM, look it up, and use uh, Locked On listeners will get 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On. It's all one word in the game store, so make sure to check it out. The game uh, you can download right now. Visit probasketballgm.com, scan the code, or look it up in the app stores. That's probasketballgm.com. Ultimate Basketball GM, start your dynasty today. So after that amazing third quarter, towards the end of that third quarter, De'Aaron Fox was subbed out at his typical time as the Kings prepared to uh, rest him and, and get him ready for fourth quarter Fox if necessary, playing the majority of the fourth quarter like he normally does. He subbed out of the game, 
and we didn't see him. In fact, people started pointing it out and started looking at the bench and going, where is Fox? Where did he go? And I guess some fans caught De'Aaron Fox leaving through the tunnel uh, late in the third quarter. Even uh, it, it appeared to me he left the game or he came out of the game, sat on the bench for a little while, and then the trainers ended up taking him back. We found out later uh, that he was diagnosed with hamstring soreness, right hamstring soreness, uh, and he would be held out for the remainder of the game. So that kind of sucked the air out of the building a little bit. Okay, the Kings are on this magical run. Uh, they're trying to secure this win and secure the tiebreaker over the Phoenix Suns, essentially put the Phoenix Suns away, uh, do it on their home floor, complete this awesome comeback, and now your star is hurt and you're now your star is not returning. Plus, the game was still close enough for the Suns to try and take advantage of that momentum shift. We'll talk about how the Kings responded to that in a moment. But we got some good news after the game, some good news that I'm happy to share with you. Mike Brown did not give us any kind of update, but what he did say was after the game, he talked to Sacramento Kings general manager Monty McNair, and Monty told him that De'Aaron was wanting to come back in the game. He was ready to play through it. He said, I feel fine. I'm good. If you watch the video, uh, which you can find it again on my Twitter, uh, when he's walking through the tunnel, there's no noticeable limp or anything like that. It didn't look like he was any kind of serious pain, but just some discomfort and around hamstrings with someone like De'Aaron Fox, whose legs are so important. Uh, the team wanted to err on the side of caution. So the team kept him out, even though he wanted to return. That's amazing. That's awesome. That's great news. So if it's soreness, if it keeps him out of tomorrow's game, it's a precautionary thing. Now, I expect the Sacramento Kings to avenge their loss in Utah and defeat the Utah Jazz with or without De'Aaron Fox on their home floor tomorrow. That's my expectation. I don't know if De'Aaron's going to play or not, but at least we got that good news that De'Aaron was ready to go, wanting to play through it. If something was really wrong with his hamstring, he, as much as he would want to, he would not have tried the way that Mike Brown made it sound like he tried and the team... Uh, ultimately held him back and stopped him. But Kings fans got to be pleased with the response, right? So the Sacramento Kings have like a 10-point lead, a little less than a 10-point lead. The Phoenix Suns are trying to make a push. They did get it down to like five or four points. Maybe it was like six points, something like that. You have no De'Aaron Fox, who's the guy you've leaned on in the fourth quarter. And the entire team stepped up and won this game as a team. Now, two guys in particular really stepped up. One was Harrison Barnes, who won the defensive player of the game chain tonight. He took on the assignment of guarding Devin Booker. You don't really stop a guy like Devin Booker. You just try and make it as difficult as possible. Harrison Barnes did that. He rose to that challenge, also hit some big buckets on the offensive end of the floor, including a post bucket, and that he ended up uh, dunking to really put the dagger in this one and put this game away. That happened right here in the paint uh, next to me. And then Davion Mitchell. I was really happy that Davion Mitchell was the guy that took De'Aaron's spot. Now, that might seem obvious to you. Of course, De'Aaron, uh, Davion did. De'Aaron's a point guard. Davion's a point guard. Davion's the backup point guard. That's his spot. Not necessarily, because Malik Monk has played so well as a primary ball handler. Now, Malik didn't have the best of nights tonight, but I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised if Malik stepped into that spot to close out this game with a final handful of minutes, but it was Davion. And we know what Davion brings defensively, but to me, this was a reward or a... a, a, a clear sign of the confidence and belief that Mike Brown has in Davion, not just as a defender, of course, but as someone who has grown exponentially in his offensive game. He's grown facilitating and running that second unit. He was able to run this main unit excellently. Of course, he's not De'Aaron Fox. He's not going to replace De'Aaron Fox, but he wasn't trying to. He was just trying to run the unit and do his job as the point guard, and he did that. Also, he had some amazing uh, dribble moves. He's an underrated ball handler. And he, he even dropped Chris Paul at one point, which is pretty awesome to see uh, at, at half court. You can find that clip on my Twitter, at Matt George Sack, S-A-C, uh, on, on Twitter. Um, but 
for those two guys to step up, for the team as a whole to step up and secure this win without De'Aaron Fox, uh, that's just another great sign that points to the success of this team. Let's talk about the difference between the first half and second half. I'm going to bring up specific statistical comparisons. In the first half, the Kings were getting abused in the paint. This is the biggest one. The Phoenix Suns had 42 points in the first half. Quick math, that's looking like on pace for 84 points in the paint in the game. That's horrendous, right? Even if you didn't expect them to get to all 84, like it was looking very likely that they were going to get into the low 70s, high 60s, low 70s, which is still way too much, right? The Kings had no answer for the Suns in the paint. In the second half, they dropped from 42 points in the paint to 14. That is a steep, steep drop-off. The Kings did a good job securing the paint. Again, the energy of the fan base and the crowd had a lot to do with that, with throwing the uh, the Phoenix Suns off their game, plus the Kings picked up the defensive intensity. I thought the defensive communication, the defensive rotations were a lot better. They were doing a good job um, cutting off uh, line drives to the basket, which typically they struggle with. So that was great to see. Uh, in terms of assists, the Phoenix Suns were doing an amazing job sharing the basketball, specifically Chris Paul. He had like 10 assists, I think, at the end of the first quarter or something like that. Like, he was ridiculous, uh, and we just expect that from CP3. But the Suns of the team had 21 assists in the first half, just 12 assists in the second half. Uh, the Kings, I didn't realize this until I looked at the box score at the very end of the game when I was preparing for the pod. The Kings didn't turn the ball over a single time in the second half. How did that go under my radar? How did that go under any of our radars? I didn't hear anybody talk about that. And I wish I had seen that before because I would have asked Mike Brown or would have asked somebody about that after the game because that's significant. The Kings only turned the ball over four times, period, in this game. All four of those were in the first half. That's a season low. Four turnovers in this game for Sacramento. That's tremendous for a Kings team where turnovers have, have kind of been an issue uh, for this team as of late, especially when they're struggling to hit shots and maybe they get a little discombobulated, get a too, he- uh, too ahead of themselves and, and try and force things a little bit. Now, this stat isn't an improvement uh, necessarily. The Suns bench scored 34 points in the first half and then scored 34 points in the second half. Like 68 points from a bench is way too much to give up. However... Three of the five Phoenix starters did not score in the second half. The other two that did score, of course, are CP3 and Devin Booker. But if the bench was beating you, at least it wasn't the bench and the starters beating you in the second half, which was good to see. I want to talk about Keegan Murray really quick. It's more of a negative conversation about Keegan than it is a positive conversation, but I think it's a necessary... What's happening to Keegan is necessary. Keegan is being targeted. Clearly being targeted. Jalen Brown targeted him the other night in this building. Devin Booker and the Phoenix Suns were clearly targeting him. He got two quick fouls guarding Devin Booker in in the first quarter. Brendan Nunez uh, of Kings Pulse like called that to a T before the game started. He said, "I think Keegan Murray is going to pick up a couple quick fouls trying to handle Devin Booker." Now Devin is also a really good job at, at drawing fouls, but if Keegan is going to be in the starting five in the playoffs, which we expect, he is going to get targeted. I think this is what he needs to go through as a rookie. He needs to face the fire. He's going to face some of the best players in the world at that position, obviously being in the NBA, but he is going to face stars in the playoffs. He's going to take, face guys that are going to, if they're if he's guarding them straight up, they're going to take advantage of him and they're going to go after him. If he's not guarding their best player straight up, they're going to try and switch him onto that player as much as possible. They are going to go after Keegan relentlessly, and it's put up or shut up time. Now, here's the thing. Keegan needs to go through this as a rookie. I think he's going to rise to the occasion. We know what he provides on the offensive end of the floor, so you want him out there. But, like tonight showed, 
If Keegan is having a night where he just can't handle it, if he can't stay in front of a guy, if he's getting just destroyed on the defensive end and he's more of a liability, which is pretty rare for Keegan to be a liability. And he wasn't really a liability tonight, but he wasn't doing a good job on the defensive end. He was having a really rough time. It was a tough matchup for him. If that's the case, you sit him down. Harrison Barnes, you get the main defensive assignment. Harrison proved tonight that he can take on that challenge if he needs to. Plus, you got a guy named Kessler Edwards who certainly is not nearly as reliable offensively as Keegan Murray is, but defensively, you know what he's bringing, you know what he's giving you, and he can guard multiple positions well with his length and athleticism. So the Kings have options. But, I mean, you're a rookie. You're a starter on a top three seed in the Western Conference. Like, you're going to get targeted. You're going to have growing pains. You're also going to have amazing moments, and he's had so many, of course, over the course of this year, and I expect those amazing moments to continue in the playoffs. There's going to be at least one game where the Kings run, uh, ride a Keegan Murray strong shooting performance to a win, in my opinion, but he is absolutely going to be targeted, 100%. It's going to happen, and we have to see how he responds, and that's going to be something to pay attention to and track going into next year and future years. How does he grow upon or grow as a defender and get to the point where even if he is being targeted he can handle it so that he can't he doesn't have to basically mortgage what he does on the offensive end of the floor by by sitting on the bench because he just can't get a stop on defense it's what he needs to go through and i expect ultimately he will handle the challenge and overcome it today's locked on kings podcast is also brought to you by fan duel with the ncaa tournament in full gear there's no better place to get in on the action than on FanDuel, america's number one sportsbook that's because right now FanDuel is giving new customers a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars that's up to one thousand dollars back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win because FanDuel doesn't just want you to put money in blow it on one bet and never play again they want you to have fun they want you to enjoy yourself gambling on games sports betting and making money off of that sports knowledge that you possess. Sometimes you get unlucky and you don't want to burn your whole bankroll on that. So as a first-time uh, user, you sign up, you use our promo code LOCKEDON on FanDuel.com slash LOCKEDON, and you'll get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Of course, if it does win, you're already making money. You can use that money to either cash out or make even more money on FanDuel. Again, just go to FanDuel.com slash LOCKEDON and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. You can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net at the end of the tournament, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Make every moment more with FanDuel. So here's a question for you, and I want your participation because this is really important. Video watchers, you can't really see. It's a little bit blurred behind me. But up there, next to the Canadian flag, is a Pacific Divisions champion banner for 2002-2003. Over there is also a Pacific Division champions banner for 2001-2002. The Sacramento Kings are basically a lock at this point to win the Pacific Division. They are five and a half games up of the Los Angeles Clippers, six games up of the Phoenix Suns. Like, it's only a matter of time before they clinch the division, which is pretty crazy for this team to go to from the bottom of the division to the top of the division. And again, the Pacific Division is one of the best, if not the best division in basketball. Not that the divisions matter that much, but my question for you is, do you want another banner up there? Do you maybe combine them all into one big banner and just keep putting the years on there? Or is that lame and you want them to take the Pacific Division banners down and only hang a banner if the Kings are Western Conference champions or NBA champions? How do you feel about that? Let me know. At Matt George Sack on Twitter. Email me, mattgeorgesports at gmail.com. Leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. Hey, there's so much uh, space up here, and the Kings aren't hanging nearly enough stuff at this point in time. I say, hang another banner. Why not? It's a pretty big deal for this team to secure this division and, of course, get back to the playoffs and have the uh, the season that they've had. The magic number now is two. 
So, in theory, if nothing else crazy happens uh, for other teams, the Kings win tomorrow. The Kings beat the Minnesota Timberwolves on Monday. Before the Kings go on their road trip in Portland, we're celebrating a clinched division. And that's what we want. We want that to happen. We want the Kings to clinch by winning a game on their home floor. There are scenarios where if the Kings win tomorrow night on Sunday by uh, whoever's in like that sixth seed or seventh seed and down, by them losing, then the Kings could clinch the division out right there. And basically, if the Kings win tomorrow night, essentially, they it's as close to clinching as possible without mathematically clinching. Essentially, the Minnesota Timberwolves would have to be, or whatever team is in the seventh seed, would have to be perfect for the remainder of the season while the Kings lost every single game for the remainder of the season for them to exercise that tiebreaker that ultimately got them the second seed uh, and, or rather got them the, the, the third seed or clinched the division or clinched the conference uh, or clinched the playoffs essentially. It's not going to happen. Right. So if the Kings win tomorrow night, it's essentially done. It's just not fully done. And I don't want to celebrate essentially. I want to celebrate it being clinched. I want it to. I want to celebrate it being done. The Kings absolutely securing a playoff spot, and I want it to happen in this building in front of this fan base. So we're rooting for it to happen on Monday. And I was told if it doesn't happen on Monday, then uh, I'm likely going to Portland to cover the Kings and Trailblazers games because the Kings will likely clinch over there. I don't want to do that. I would love to go to Portland. Don't get me wrong. I want this. I want it to be clinched here with 18,000 people in attendance. That's what I want. I want to celebrate that moment with you. And when the Kings do clinch, I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm going to ask for your help. Because those of you who've listened for a long time, who have listened to me for a while and and kind of understand my background and where I come from, you know how important this is to me. You know how much I love this team, first and foremost, before I love covering this team, right? And I know sometimes there are blurred lines between covering as a professional and covering as a fan. But I, I wear my fan hood of the Sacramento Kings on my sleeve. I'm proud. Uh, of being a Sacramento Kings fan. This, there's no other place I want to be, no other team I want to be covering. It's going to be a big deal for me, for this team to for this team to clinch. And I know there are thousands of others that are like me out there. So instead of me just speaking by myself and trying to soak that moment in, don't worry, you're going to get that. But I want to hear from you. So one of the things I want to do is when the Sacramento Kings clinch, and I'll remind everybody of this when it happens, I want you to record a video of yourself, or if you don't want to be on camera, audio of yourself, explaining and expressing what this the King's clinching means to you. And I want to compile that and play them in that podcast where we're celebrating the King's final clinching. I want to do that. If you want to be a part of that, let me know, uh, and we'll uh, we'll work out a way to to make that happen. I'm, if if I get a thousand of them, I'll try and fit as many as I can in. If I only get five of them, I'll try and play as many as I, like I'll, I'll play all of them essentially. But I would love for you listeners, you Kings fans, to be a part of that because I know I'm not alone in how important this clinching the playoffs is to this fan base. So keep an eye and an ear out for that. It's going to happen sooner than you think. Two is the magic number. Two to go. Very excited about that. Of course, the road to clinching. What happens tomorrow night? We'll have a post-game pod uh, after the Kings and Utah Jazz in this building. I met so many of you tonight. I met a Kings fan from Australia uh, named Jace. I met... uh, 
I didn't get the, a chance to meet Kelly from Japan. He's a Kings fan and, and podcast host from Japan. I appeared on his co podcast. He was here tonight. I didn't get the chance to meet him, and I'm really bummed. I hope he's at the game tomorrow night so I get the chance to meet him. Uh, but he came all the way to Japan to watch and support the Sacramento Kings. Uh, I met a couple of, of ladies who support the podcast, which means the world to me, Rebecca and Jessica, uh, before games that uh, before the game. That was incredible. So many of you, uh, some uh, a couple like came down from Reading to watch the Kings and I got to bump into them and chat with them a little bit. So a fan came up from Orange County with his wife uh, to support uh, he was originally from Sacramento, came up to support. Um, and I'm sorry, sir, I'm forgetting your name, which is horrible of me. Um, but I met so many of you tonight, and it means the absolute word, world to me. So if you're coming to the Utah game tomorrow night, please let me know. I would love to get a chance to see you and thank you in person for the support you've shown me, the support you've shown this team, and the support you've shown this podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much again. Can't wait to have you join me tomorrow night. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to the Locked On Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.